Headphones. Hey, hey, what is up, everyone? This is Ete with another episode of Eco Law and Science. And today, I got a special guest with me. Um, I don't do a ton of interviews here on the show, so kind of a fun treat for you guys. And uh, yeah, let's just have fun with it. So I was talking with Cecil, who does all of our editing and, and writes all our descriptions. She's my sister, and we were talking about some ideas for some new content for some new shows. And she suggested, hey, let's bring in some of the team that we work with. The guys and girls that are out there doing stuff, and, and let's interview them. Let's let's talk a little bit about what they're seeing, and I don't know, it's just some random things. And so that's what we're gonna do today. So we're gonna have some fun. So today with me is Hunter Dawsing. Hello. Did I say your right na- your last name right? Yeah, you said okay. exactly right. Okay, I don't think I've actually ever said it out loud, so I want to make sure I say it. No, that right. you're good. So Hunter's here with me, and we were actually just up in Park City, um, uh, deer in the the preserve area, and we're, we were looking at noxious weeds. We've got a couple big bids coming up that we're working on. We're trying to build a new uh, formula for this. Uh, noxious weeds are a problem here in Utah. We've, I've talked about it on the show a bunch. Um, there's 25 plus of them, and these weeds you can get um, cited for if you have them on your lot in infestation. The government can actually come in and, and you know they'll force you to spray them. You don't if you don't take care of it, they'll put a lien on your house. I mean, it's real serious, and that sounds crazy, but I've learned over the years why these things are so invasive. They take over. They ruin our trails. So, there's a war on these weeds. So anyway, Hunter and I were just up there looking at some new new HOAs they're building around Park City. They want some bids, and we're trying to wrap our heads around. So I wanted to ask Hunter a little bit about he, – he's out there every day. So he's a, he's a trained and licensed um, uh, applicator, and he, and, he, and he specializes in noxious weeds. Yep, that's, what is, that's exactly what I do, actually. Yeah, so he so he does these every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do do, do, you, uh, do you do you do you see noxious weeds when you close your eyes and go to sleep? Sometimes I dream about them. Sometimes <laughs> they come up and haunt me in the middle of the night. So those are nightmares. Yeah, yeah. Okay, not yeah, because <laughs> um, that's a true thing. I know I, I, I do too. I'll, I'll see these. It's it's crazy. Can you drive? Can you spot them when you're driving by like fields and stuff? Yeah. So most of the time when I'm driving down the canyon, I'll I'll see them all the time. You, you know, you can picture when you. After you've done it for a little while, you know you can see them from a couple yards away, yeah. even if you're driving. But I'm sure you have had the yeah. same similar experience. It's like a curse and a blessing. It's a blessing because you get good at what you're doing and identifying, but it's a curse because you can't like. Sometimes I can't relax. I'll go for a hike. I'm like, oh man, look at the, you know. Yep, exactly. It ruins it for you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so let's talk a little bit about noxious weeds. So we are. Let's see. By the time this episode comes out, we're mid-August here. Um, it's been a hot year. It's been a dry year. And we just came from some sites. What are some of the weeds that you're seeing right now in August? Um, and what are some of the problems that you're seeing out there on the job? Yeah, so right now we're seeing a lot of we're seeing a lot of weeds. Most of the most of the weeds are nearing the end of their life cycle right now. There are a lot of them that are already to seed. They've already flowered, so they're okay. seeding. They're dropping their seeds. Um, some of them are starting to turn, you know, a brownish color. Um, uh, some of them turn black, as we've seen the. The dyer's woad is already black. It's normally a, a beautiful yellow. Yeah, yes, yes. That yellow everybody freaks out about. Yep. So, yeah, the, the dyer's woad now is black. Okay. Um, we're so st- are you not worried about it then when you see it? Well, at this point, when we're spraying it, there's not much you can do for it when you're spraying. Because it's already seeded? Yeah. Okay, we'd, gotcha. we'd have to look more for a mechanical removal on those ones. Okay. So, you know, that'd be, that'd be either cutting them down okay. and bagging them. Or somehow figuring out a way to get the seeds out of there. 
whether that be you know taking the tops off, you know, dyer's wood, you can kind of grab it and slide the slide the seeds off and bag them, which which works well. Okay. Um, but at this point, unless you've got some kind of pre-emergent, you're kind of too late in the game. Yeah, you've missed the window. Exactly. Okay, so so you're seeing those kind of already doing their thing and blackening out. Yeah. And you're not worried about those, um, the mature ones anyway. Exactly. What else are you seeing out there? You know, we, we still are seeing, uh, you know, some small ones. We're seeing, of course, the Canada thistle. Okay. They'll keep growing, you know, probably the next month or so. Um, a lot of them are still little. You can get them. You know, uh, those are actually really susceptible to spraying at this time. Okay. So, seeing a lot of those. We're seeing a lot of uh, musk and scotch thistle. Okay. Um, those ones are really noticeable because they're tall. They're, you know, some of them can get up to, you know, 10 feet tall. So, you can see them driving by on the roads. You can see them all over the place. And uh, people are really noticing them right now. So, on the thistle... Um what stages are you seeing them in? Because you said some are 10 feet tall. Are you seeing them all in that stage? Or, or is it vary? Or what do you... Yeah, so I'm, most of what I've seen is the scotch and the musk thistles, which are the little bit taller ones. Those ones are ready to... You know, those ones are dropping their seeds right now. Okay. Um, some of the smaller ones, like I said, the Canada thistle, they're, they're not quite there yet. Some of them are. Like if they started, you know, growing at the beginning of the year, they're yeah. dropping their seeds. But um, yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Okay, cool. And um, same thing there if, if it's already a 10 feet tall plant, 10 foot tall plant of the scotch or the musk thistle, um, you kind of missed your window for spraying. Yeah, you kind of, so, on spraying, you kind of missed your window. Right now, you, you'd probably be looking more of a mechanical removal. And getting those heads out of there. Getting the heads out of there. And a lot of people actually, they don't like seeing the, the big dead plants in, yeah. in their yard. <laughs> so a lot of people like to cut them down too or figure out some way to mulch them just to get them out of there. Okay, cool. All right, so you've seen some thistles. What, what else are you seeing? Anything else that they should um, be looking for? Yeah, there's actually, right now is a really good time to look for the napa weed because the napa weed, it's, you know, it's, it's tall and it's blossoming right now. So it's got those, you know, those little tiny uh, purple flowers on them. And, you know, napa weed's one of those weeds that you look at it when it's a rosette and it looks really generic. It's really hard to identify. Yeah. But now that it's, you know, a little bit taller and you can see it well, it's a good time to get it. Okay, cool. So napa weed. I don't know if I've talked about that one on the show yet. So um, let's add a, let's put a picture or, or some type of link down below to help anyone who's worried about identifying napa weed. Now, with napa weed, there are different types of napa weed. Mm-hmm. There's like a Russian napa weed, a spotted um, but I think they all have, they all do have a lot of similarities in the yeah. head and the veins and things like that. Yeah, they do. But like you said, you got to get them now. Like some of them are starting to pop. Um, but I think you're right. It is hard to identify when they're young. Yeah. It, can, it looks like a native plant. Like it's actually kind of cool looking. Yeah, it is. It really is. Okay. So napweed. What, what else? Anything else? Um, we saw one today that I've never talked about on the show. Oh, the uh, the bug gloss. The bug gloss. Tell tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. One. So a, a bug glo- the bug gloss is a little bit. It's a little bit different weed. Um, it's kind of got these purple and blue flowers. We'll definitely get a picture up for them. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, the most common one we have here in you know in our little section of the woods is called a viper's bug gloss, and the telltale sign of that one is the uh, on the stem. It's got these. It's got these little prickly things, and it's got these deep, dark black spots on it. So that's kind of that's kind of like the distinct giveaway on what tell. it is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 
And today we actually found one because I'm actually not as familiar with it because, like I said, Hunter's out there all the time doing it. And we found one um, in the same family. It was a common instead of a viper bug loss. So um, you can have different – you can be in the same family, the same weed, but have different uh, variations. Yeah. So make sure you're, make sure you're looking for that. Um, this one, it looked like the heads were very similar to what you're describing, the viper. Yeah. But this one was more like bushy. Like uh, it looked like – honestly, you would think it was a nice local native flower. Yeah, you'd think so. It, it kind of looks like the rest of them. Okay. So, yeah, sometimes it's a little tricky to figure those ones out. But Cool. Okay, cool. So there's some new ones. So some knapweed, um, some bug loss. What, do you have a – what's your most hated weed? Is there one that you just like – you show up to a job site and you're like, oh, man, I hate this stuff. Yeah, so I've got, <laughs> I've got two of them, and they're for the, they're for the similar reason. <laughs> okay, which one? Um, the two most ones I, I hate to see are the Dyer's Woad okay. and the Dalmatian Toad Flax. Which we're seeing some of that out right now. We're definitely we seeing. We're morning. definitely seeing a lot of it, and it's it's flowering right now. What do you hate about them? So the big issue that we have with them is they have this waxy coating on them. It's really really waxy. So whenever you try and spray them, whenever you're trying to you know get rid of them, it just slips off. Mm. It doesn't it doesn't soak in very well. So. You know, there's there's some things you can do for this. You can do either, you know, um, a surfactant or something, sure. some kind of sticker to make it, okay. you know, stick onto that wax. Um, you know, the big issue is, you know, you spray them and it all runs down, and you yeah. don't want you don't want too much excess going into the Absolutely. soil. Absolutely. So, you know, that's just something you got to be conscious about. So, with um, with like the Dalmatian toad flax or or even Dyer's woad, is it more inconsistent? Like so. Um, let's say you show up to a, a one-acre parcel that hasn't been developed, and it's a, let's say it's a thistle, it's a Scotch thistle, and you're like you walk, you you take care of it, and you leave feeling good, like I know I got these. Yeah. Do, with the toad flax or the, with these waxy coatings, Dyer's woad, do you is it do you always have that feeling, or do you walk away sometimes going I think I hope, but some it's is it is it a little is it a little less consistent? Yeah, I, I think you described that well. So a lot of times you're like. You know, is it is it gonna rain a little bit? Is all all my work gonna be washed away? Um, whereas, you know, as you said, in the thistles, you spray the thistles, and you're you're pretty confident they're gonna die. Gotcha. So yeah, those are just kind of inconsistent weeds. With the, you know, you you always wonder how well it's gonna work. Hunter does a lot of commercial, a lot of HOA work, but also a lot of like individual residence homes. And they may have, uh, you know, a house with some nice lawn, but then maybe an acre pasture or something where these plants would grow. Do you run into issues with the homeowners um, at all as you're out during the season? Yeah. So sometimes it's just, you know, just a little bit of lack of information, a little bit of know-how. Um, a lot of what I, a lot of what I see, what I run into is one, they're they're not sure what a noxious weed is. They kind of see this ugly looking plant and they say, oh. That's a noxious weed. Gotcha. When it's really not, it's just you know some kind of native plant living there. So sometimes that just kind of takes some explaining. Um, sometimes they they insist on spraying it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a you know, a, you know every every situation is a little bit different. Um, another one is where to look for these weeds. Huh. So a lot of a lot of this is you know they want you to walk through these huge native areas that have never been touched, never never been worked on. And they think, oh, there's definitely noxious weeds in there because it's a foresty area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you end up you end up walking through this, you know, huge foresty area, and there's not a single weed in there. 
So a lot of these weeds, a lot of these weeds really gain on dirt being moved around. Yeah, d- so, disturbing. Uh, disturbing, yeah. Building, disturbing. roads, all that. Exactly. Wherever there's, you know, I'm in a tractor driven or whatever, someone's brought a car in. Um, wherever that earth can be picked up, that's where you're going to, you know, not always, but. That's where they're going to be. That's where you're going to find a lot of them. What's something useful to a homeowner who might be listening um, and either not sure if they have noxious weeds or maybe they know they have them? What's just a piece of advice you would give them? Okay. If I had to give one piece of advice to the, you know any homeowner, I'd say just research it a little bit. Okay. Just kind of look up, you know, different, different areas have different, different weeds. I'd say just do a little bit of research yourself. Um, just kind of look at what plants are coming in. And maybe if there's, you know, if there's a local, if there's a local expert or a local, local company, maybe ask them, what kind of weeds do we have in this area? Or what kind of things are you guys taking care of in these areas? Um, most of them will be more than happy to, you know, give some, give some friendly advice. But, you know, you can always just go online. Most counties, most states have, uh, have lists of what weeds that are considered noxious in that area. So, you know, just kind of look it up. Kind of check out your your area and see if you have any of those. Awesome, and and I love that. I think that's a great point because identification, IDing something is it has to be the first step in any type of control plan. And I I do actually teach that because uh, so often I see people grabbing some, a product that just doesn't need to go down and and spraying something that doesn't need to be sprayed. It's easy to look at this plant and think, oh, it's noxious, spray it. And then come to find out it wasn't, and it actually was doing good things for your soil. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah, yeah I, th- I agree. I think, I think identifying it first, making sure you have it. You know, I don't think you need to just call up a company and say, hey, come take care of my lot, you know, not even knowing you have noxious weeds. Yeah. Um, because A, it could be a waste of money for mm-hmm. you, and B, they may put product on something that doesn't need to be done. So yeah. identify it, and then I think also, uh, I want to add a tip, is making sure the company that you are working with or looking to hire, make sure they understand the weeds. Make sure they can identify them. Exactly. Um, there was a job um, in a neighborhood about three years ago, and they hired, they got a bunch of kids, they got them licensed, and they walked these roadsides, I won't say which neighborhood, and they put like two or three guys side by side, 15 feet out, and they just sprayed everything. And I remember um, it was actually devastating. They killed some incredible native plants. They were killing trees. And it's like, guys, if you knew what your weeds were, you would have not caused all these issues. And that actually, you know, that causes a, a, a larger issue because a lot of those plants that are there, they're native plants. They're supposed to be there. Sure. So when you kill off everything, that actually, you know, that, that's just like the open soil. That invites other plants to come in. To come in, because there's nothing there. Yeah, and most of the time, the most aggressive weeds are those noxious weeds. They'll yeah. come in the fastest, they'll start sprouting up. Um, I, you know, I remember this other one, we're working on a property, it was a, a property manager talking to us, and the previous property manager, they fired him because they said he wasn't doing a good job. Okay. And then um, he had all these beautiful wildflowers all around the house. Oh, nice. And he just said... This looks too wild. Just go ahead and kill everything. What? Why? He was, just, he was just insistent on it, uh, it being a little bit cleaner, not knowing that you know those were all those were all good native yeah native plants with benefits. Well, yeah, to the soil and the environment because some of these mm-hmm. colorful wildflowers are pollinators. Yeah. So yeah, I, come on, guys, learn your stuff. Know know what you're dealing with. If you exactly. think you have noxious weeds, like like Hunter said. 
Google it or call a local company and, and, and then make sure that you do before you get involved and have a whole treatment program set up. Yeah, exactly. And let me ask you this. How often, because um, I know this is kind of a back and forth debate, how many treatments a year does a property need? Let's, let's say here in Park City uh, for noxious weed or is it just, what are some of the factors in building a good program? That, that, that works and it doesn't include a lot of runoff and, and, and pollution. Yeah. So it's kind of, it kind of depends on what weeds are there okay. and kind of how, I wouldn't say how mature they are, but how, how dense it is. Okay. So sure. some, some properties, you know, you, you go to, you want to spray it. And then you want to get back there so you can, you know, if there's if there was any that you that might have been missed or some of them that didn't quite get, you know, enough product on them, that you can quickly take care of those. Um, sometimes we've done we've done four treatments, you know, over the season, which is a few months. Um, sometimes you know properties take a little bit more than that if it's you know a really wet area, mm-hmm. or if it's a plant that's growing, you know, a, a plant that's growing a little bit quicker than the rest. Um, those might need some, you know, some more, some more frequent treatments, maybe more visits. Would you say is it more important to worry about a number of treatments, or is it more important like a timing thing? Like, because uh, I know some people might get like in lawn care, everybody wants six treatments, yeah. you know. And sometimes I'm like, guys, I would be more focused on your own lawn, the nutrients it needs, than the set treatments. Yeah, so that's, that actually brings up a great point. If you do it earlier in the season. Then you're not going to have you know these huge ten foot right. ten foot beasts you that you need young. to take care. Of. If you can get them you know early in the season, and where it's only going to use a little bit of product, that's a lot you know that's a lot safer and that's a lot better method of taking care of. Them. Sure. So I think you could actually even cut down on your visits if you were able to get those early on. Gotcha. So earlier, maybe a little closer together. I mean, timing's got to be a huge factor in in what you're doing because. Um, well, w- w- this year, you know, we did a big project, and um, tell tell a little bit about the the dyer's woad and the thistle and how the timing worked in favor on a little bit, and we didn't, and we lost on the other. Yeah, yeah. So the project we were working on, you know, just this large open area. We got there, you know, they they got there once the once the dyer's woad started popping up, when people started seeing them, and then you know we go out, we spray them. But then we were a little bit late on on getting there for the thistle. Gotcha. It was good for the dyer's woad, but you know the spacing was a little bit off. Yeah. I think it was. I think it was spaced out maybe maybe six or eight weeks. If we would have came back a, just a little bit sooner, maybe even two weeks after we sprayed yeah. the first time, we would have been able to pick up on a lot of that thistle, and yeah. it wouldn't have been able to mature as much. Absolutely, and I, I agree. I think. I think sometimes people get just stuck on this number of treatments, but really they got to look at the timing with noxious weeds. Yeah, exactly. So how long have you been doing this? Um, I think I'm on my, my fourth year doing this. Fourth year. What, what are some of the, the good and the bad? Tell us just briefly a little bit of the, the up and the downs of, of doing noxious weed treatments. After you've you know, put in the time to take care of these areas, after you've gotten rid of them, it's really satisfying to go to a different, you know, to go to a slot that you've been treating for a little while and see that the work that you put in, you know, you, you get this beautiful field, yeah, this beautiful area without any noxious weeds in it. Yeah, some of the hardest parts, or you know, the most frustrating parts, is you know, sometimes you you get some clients that are like, you know, maybe I only want maybe one treatment or two treatments a mm. year. So you know, you get there, it's a disaster. You spray the best you can, 
And then just you just know next time you're going to come, it's not going to be soon enough. So you, you get there and it's just a disaster every time. Sometimes it's just a little frustrating with it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think you're right. I think ultimately where I'm kind of learning is I really, you, you really got to be on some type of a program, and a good program, not yeah. just four visits because it's four visits because the company's making money, but visits that are timed out, um, weed cycle specific, mm-hmm. great timing, and just catch them, like you're saying, catch them, catch them when they're young. A lot of people, you know, like, say, oh, yeah, you need treatments every two weeks. Yeah, you know, yeah. They're looking, you know, they're looking to make money. But, you know, it's sometimes if you put in those two little treatments, you can really space out the rest of them. Right, and you can save money in the big picture. Yeah, exactly. And I think I kind of where we're getting to is we just, we need to find people, we, well, we don't need to, we have them. We like to work with people who just, who we build trust. Yeah. They trust that we're not going to take advantage of them. And if we can get it done quickly and get them and adjust the bill, we will. Mm-hmm. But also, um, they trust us with the flexibility to be able to call the shots. So, if a year like this year things come early, we just need that flexibility to go out when we have to go out. Exactly. Instead yeah. of being stuck in a box. Awesome. All right, man. Last question: Do you have a favorite noxious weed? You, you told us the ones you don't like: the yeah. flax, the woad. Is there one that you like? Let me think. <laughs> <laughs> Could be the way it looks, or just I don't know. Maybe you, you pulled um, to a job. Oh, there it is. I love that one. So my my favorite noxious weed, I've never I've never been asked this one. <laughs> yeah, there might not be an answer. So <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to do the uh, the Phragromites because we were able to make a this was this was something we did. We you know we were we were mechanically removing a couple of these. Yeah, and we actually you know brought them back and uh, we made a little skirt out of them. They did, and we're definitely going to see if we can get that picture posted on the below. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Cecil, put that picture below. They did. They made a uh, we'll call it a Polynesian. Uh, how about a ritual outfit? Anyway, they made a skirt for me, and I put it on um, to celebrate my Polynesian heritage. Yeah, out of noxious weeds. Yeah. At that moment, I knew that those Phragromites had to be my favorite. That, <laughs> Just watching I, you, I love it. watching now, you put that skirt on. <laughs> all the, yes, yeah, so let's put a picture, and we got to on that. We are we were in a debate, so let me ask you if you figured it out because we have been strug- I have been struggling to figure out how to pronounce it. We we've, we've been working, and we know how to take care of these weeds. We call them Phragomites. We call them Phragmites. Um, Phragmites. Are you? Did you get it? Well, when here's the thing: if you read it, if you read it how it's spelled, it says Phragromites. Okay. We plugged it into we plugged it into Google and clicked read. It said Phragromites, and I've heard it. I've heard it pronounced from a few experts calling it Phragromites. Yeah. So I I think that's what we're, we're gonna, gonna go okay. with. Okay. So we've been we know how to take care of it. We're great with the plant, but we just don't know how to say it. Yeah, exactly. So it's not a common household word. So don't hold us accountable if, if we uh, if we teach you the wrong way to say it. So anyway, cool. Well, um, thanks to my guest Hunter for coming and taking some time out. Um, I hope this was helpful. We're going to try to put some links below to some pictures and especially the one with with the skirt, me and the skirt. Definitely and, um, have to get that one in. Yeah, and and, and cool. Ho- hopefully, you guys learned something. Um, Hunter, thanks for helping no, me out. It was, it's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you on the next episode of Eco Law Science. Have a good one.